I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Um, back today, another gorgeous sunny day. I'm joined by Liam again. How are you doing? Not bad, thank you. How are you doing, Rich? Yeah, not too bad. We've um, yeah, we had a nice family day out to Marvel today, so uh, got incredibly warm. Um, didn't see hardly any animals because it was too hot for them all. But um, but yeah, the, the little ones had a fun day, so can't complain. Um, good stuff, good stuff. So I guess before we dive into kind of today's, um, I guess main main topic for the show. Obviously, some some pretty big news drops over the weekends, and uh, Julio Jones is on his way to Tennessee to form maybe the you know the most physically imposing shall we say wide receiver core I think I've ever seen um so yeah I mean Liam what, what are your thoughts on the trade do you think there's any from a I guess a dynasty perspective any big winners any big losers or um I suppose for me AJ Brown is probably a big winner from this I know that everyone liked the idea of him getting a bunch of uh, targets, uh, especially those vacated target truthers. But to me, it was never going to happen. But at least now he's got another option next to him, whereas he previously didn't. It was either Adam Humphreys, Des Fitzpatrick, the rookie, if he stepped up, or Adam Ferkser, 
Um, but now with Julio, you've got safeties are going to have to make that decision of which side of the field are you going to cover. So to me, that and then obviously uh, Calvin Ridley. Let let's see how he does in a number one role uh, this year because. As I'm a Packers fan, I'm going to be obligated to bring this up, but he had no catches at all when he played Green Bay when he got shut down by Jair. So, do you think um, that do you think that we could see the the kind of juju effect with Ridley in that he was you know obviously hugely productive as a two when he had a you know and let's be honest a historic receiver lined up opposite him. Now he's stepping into that number one role. Obviously, we've seen Juju over the last couple of years. Yes, he's had a few injuries. He's had other competition, a few bits and pieces. But he's never really stepped into that role after Antonio Brown left. Do you think Ridley will do that? Or do you think we could see a, a similar step for him? Um, I suppose I'm more risk averse and more of a skeptic. So um, I, I do think that he's going to regress a little bit, but just looking at his stats from last year, he did do really well when Julio wasn't on the field. So I don't think it will be to the same extent. Juju kind of disappeared, quote unquote. Um, but I do think that Ridley is going to have an effect, whether that is Pitts comes in after year one, maybe, because uh, we know what tight ends are like in, in the league. Um, maybe he comes in with a bunch of targets and tries to take some of that coverage away. But year one, I definitely think Ridley's going to see a lot, a lot more dual teams and a lot tougher coverage. So I can see that definitely uh, impacting his fantasy value and fantasy uh, uh, production. Yeah, I do think if I can, if I can, uh, you can humour me and let me nerd out a little bit. I'm really intrigued to see that Tennessee offense this year. Because so last, I think it's the last two years, they've run more max protection out of play action than any other team in the NFL. I think it's probably two, three times the amount. And what I mean by that is that seven man protections, obviously with the the running back, um, you know, taking the fake play action, the quarterback throwing the ball. So only two receivers out on route. Now, is that an Arthur Smith thing? In which case, are we going to see Tennessee continue to be in that, you know, really heavy match protect offense and just have Julio and AJ Brown running the ball, running out downfield. Or is that a Tennessee thing? And and if it is an Arthur Smith thing, does this now what what's that offense going to look like? If we're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight man match protections on that play action, does that potentially limit the, the upside of Cole Pitts? Does that mean that you know we're going to see three receiving weapons used? Does because I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about Russell Gage stepping in. He was, I think, wide receiver 30-ish in terms of his finish last year. I'm really excited about him as a prospect. But I think there's a lot of unknown about what offence Arthur Smith and the Falcons are, are going to run this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know how they're going to run it. Um, I don't know whether Pitts is going to come in as the... Um, tight end one there or if he does how much of that role is impacted by Hayden Hurst because I can't see him just disappearing it's not like he's a bad tight end uh, he's not top tight end for fantasy no no he was being drafted um, for that upside last season with Hooper having such a good year the year before um, and now he seems Hayden Hurst seems to be forgotten so um, I definitely think that there's something there. And if there are two tight end sets, at least Pitts is getting on the field. Um, 
and maybe Matt Ryan has audibles to get into passing situations rather than a run or puts pits onto a uh, onto a, a, a route instead of a blocking assignment. So I, I do think that that there will be a lot of two tight end sets. Whether it's the same amount as last year, I have no idea. Um, at the moment, I suppose we all guess until the season comes and we, we try and go off the information very early on in the season. Um, but as for your point on Gage, I, I love him as a prospect, but I don't see him as anything more than a wide receiver three in fantasy still. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I'm, I'm probably even lower than that. I'd say, yeah, sort of wide receiver 50-ish I'd be comfortable having him this year. Um, I am really intrigued to see if we're going to see the the kind of those Tennessee two receiver sets with Pitts as the X and Ridley as the Z. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated because you could you could get you know some some three tight end looks with the running back in and the one wide receiver on the field and Pitts lining up in that sort of AJ Brown role from that Arthur Smith offense. It, it could be absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued to certainly watch it play out this year. I, I think you've just given. Um fantasy twitter a, a massive excitement boost there saying that Pitts <laughs> is going to line up as a receiver um i i think if that happens at any point during the first game i think fantasy twitter is just going to go wild Look, um, the, the coal hype the Pitts hype can't get any higher I've, I've just seen him go as tight end two in the startup that i'm doing um yeah it's it, it it's it's truly ridiculous that a player is going second overall at a position having never stepped onto the field Let's be honest. I'm I'm very hopeful that he's going to be incredible, but um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit sort of cool the Jets because you're drafting him at his ceiling, quite frankly. Um, but en- en- enough about Tennessee and, and Atlanta. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start our uh, kind of sophomore scrutiny series, which credit to Liam for the name because it's certainly not my creativity to come up with that. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to be diving in um, position by position, looking back at the kind of second year players, obviously last year's rookies, um, have a quick chat about kind of the main guys at each position. The idea being that these are the guys that will probably more than any other make or break your dynasty rosters, your dynasty seasons. You know, if you can be right on these second year players, they're going to by this time next year be, if they're not already, you know, the top two, three priced assets at each position, um, or they will plummet in value, disappear and, uh, and be, you know, those, those kind of dynasty busts that we all fear. So, we're starting with the running back position. Um, there's again, I'm, I feel like I've coined this phase, but there's there's the elite eight. Um, so that's in fact the first seven guys drafted, um, and then James Robinson. So we're going to talk through each of those, their kind of situation, what we think about them, um, and then if there's uh, there's time, we might even mention some of the, the lower drafted guys. Um, but starting off in the first round, so obviously we had Clyde Solaire went thirty second overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the, the hype on him last year was absolutely insane. He was going as as the fifth overall player in in rookie startups. In sorry, in startups, not just rookie drafts. Um, you know, the, the hype was absolutely mental, and he had a solid year. Let's not pretend that he did anything spectacular, but the the hype has completely disappeared, and he's now fallen down boards. You can now get him in that sort of wide receiver. What 
18 to 20 range in some startups. Um, and I think that to me, the hate's gone a little bit too far. I, I quite like him. I quite like the price that he's, he's currently going out to acquire. Um, what, where are you on CEH, Liam? Yeah, um, I, I, I like him at his value at the moment. I think last year he was set up to fail. Um, not only was he going 101 in rookie drafts or in a lot of them, I know that there was a couple that I was in where he went 102 because there were um, JT truthers there or um, or it's super flex. So or, or I'm talking people, running backs there. Yeah, Not, not, not just um, JT truthers, just people that made the right decision. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you got there as long as you got there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think he's a great value in startups at the moment. I think he went as the RV18 in our recent startup. I'm not sure on that. But um, he's got that upside. He hasn't got Lev Bell anymore to uh, take that value. I do think that uh, McKinnon is going to have a little bit of passing down work, whether that is actually going to affect CH's uh, production this year I have no idea um, I do think that it's not going to be as much as some people may fear or it's going to be a little bit more than the dismissals that we're seeing elsewhere but um, I do think that he's got great value in startups at the moment but if you try and trade for him he's probably going for more than what you'd pay I think that he could well be the guy to buy now um, out of any of these bunch. I think all of these guys are, you know, being priced ridiculously high because you've got that age, because you've got the, you know, the running back scarcity that, that is constantly talked about. But I do think that he is gettable. Um, I've bought a couple of shares of him this off season. Um, I bought him for a, a 22 first and a 22 second. Um, I traded him straight up. Maybe my my, my favourite trade of the offseason, I traded him straight up for Javante Williams, um, which I, I do that, in every single so one of my leagues. If, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that at the moment, you know, we talked about it. Last year, he was being drafted at his absolute ceiling, whereas for me this year, he's being drafted at his absolute floor. I think that he is going to settle in as a, a solid RB2. He's going to offer decent, pass catching potential I don't think he ever really got used that way last year um and I think his his potential his his you know his upside is still RB2 RB3 RB4 overall because that offense is just so explosive he's going to score so much that if he does get a true true kind of workhorse volume if he does start getting the goal line work again um then there's no reason why he you know this time next year he couldn't be seeing that price where he was 12 months ago at that, you know, 104, 105 in, in one QB startups. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And to the listeners, I really do promise that the phrase um, he's being drafted at his absolute ceiling <laughs> isn't going to come up with every one of these players. I know we've said it with Pitts and we've said it with CH so far, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree that he he's got that upside and he's young as well he's 22 years old so it's not like he's um he, he came he was a lonely declare um i do think that he's the the more reasonable back that we're going to talk about over the next couple of uh or, or the next 40 odd minutes 50 odd minutes um so, yeah, if, if you can get him for a Javante Williams, a first and a second next year, I, I would do that a trade every day of the week. 
Yeah, absolutely. So where are we going next? So this time we're going to move over to Detroit and we're going to talk about DeAndre Swift. So um, most people's running back one or two pre-draft uh, last year and then when he got to, uh, when he got taken by Detroit, and um, he, he kind of dipped in value. He, he saw the opposite effect to Clyde, Head, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, everyone thought Kerryon Johnson was going to be the issue. And then the closer to the season it got, it kind of was obvious that Swift was going to take over that number one role. Um, and then Adrian Peterson had somewhere, got some carries as well and snagged some touchdowns. But I, I do think that this year... Um, he, he's going to be a good buy. Um, I don't think he's going to get as much passing down work as people think with Jamal Williams there. Um, well, that might just be the Green Bay fans still trying to cling on to the energy factory that Jamal Williams used to be in Green Bay. So what what are your thoughts, Rich? How, how do you feel about Swift? I, I love Swift. I love Swift, the player. I think that he is, you know, everything you could ever want from both an NFL back, but also a fantasy back. I think he, you know, he is a true three down back. I think he's receiving usage and, and receiving ability. He's one of the few running backs that can line up outside and, and run a, you know, a competent route tree. I'm not going to sit here and say he runs a full route tree. Um, but I think that to me, the cost is getting a little bit, I was hopeful of once everything's happened in Detroit this season, I sort of thought that we'd get to this point in the year and and people would start to feel, um, you know, oh, that offence isn't going to be very good and the price on Swift goes down. Um, but it's it's not really happened. I think he's he's being treated as the only kind of person in town as such and people are expecting him to basically get every single piece of volume in that offence. Um and so, you know, he's, he's currently still going as the running back six in startups, which, I mean, it's, it's about where I've got him. Um, in fact, it's exactly where I've got him. He's in my RB6. But I, I just never feel particularly comfortable taking him in that sort of range, if I'm being honest. So I can get him as a, a, a later RB1, then I'm happy. But yeah, RB6 is probably a little bit rich for me at the moment still. Yeah, I got him as the RB7 in our recent five-yard dynasty um, starter. And even then I was kind of, I feel like that position where you want to take a running back or your best players on the board of running backs, that kind of six, seven, eight range is where you're looking at an Acres, a Dobbins, um, Swift, someone along those lines, all these rookies that have got these upsides. Um, and I don't feel comfortable taking any of them there. I, I did, although I, I took Swift, I didn't feel the most comfortable doing it at the price that I paid. I think it was uh, late second round in startup. So, is he your RB two of these second year backs? At the moment, yes. Um, I, I definitely think he's. He, he's not going to be above Jonathan Taylor, obviously, but looking at the rest, I think he's the most stable out of the rest of them. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is as well, for me, so he was the RB20 last year. He was 17 in points per game. And this is a guy that didn't really get used properly until, what, week 12, week 13 last year? 
it felt as a, as a swift owner in a few leagues, it felt like I was tearing my hair out every week about they, they weren't handing in the car keys and, you know, they were using Adrian Peterson far too much. I think that this is an offense that, you know, the, the new head coach, Dan Campbell, when he came in, he said he, he doesn't want a, a play caller. He wants an offensive coordinator that's going to utilize Swift out of the slot that's going to use Swift as a workhorse. And I think that this offense, let's be honest, that receiving room, Jared Goff, isn't going to put many points on the board. So I think this offense is going to run through DeAndre Swift. And I think that it might not be the most glamorous season he's going to put up. It might not be, you know, the most efficient in terms of yards per carry or, or success rate or, or whatever, you know, efficiency stat you want to throw out. But I do think that the volume is going to be there and the receiving usage is going to be there. And I feel very confident that he's going to be an RB1 this year. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was in that top five. So you, you're not buying the Anthony Lynn um, class in Jamal Williams at the 1A? No, no, I think that's, no. Pu- I think that's pure coach speak. I think that Jamal Williams has shown that he is a fantastic pass blocking back. I think he is competent as a receiver but he's you know he's never going to be a, a true workhorse running back in this league and I think that I wouldn't be shocked if we saw with the weakness of Detroit's receiving core I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see some two running back sets where you've got you know similar to what Green Bay did last year where you've got Jamal Williams and, and Aaron Jones going out on flare routes together and things like that I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see Smith, Swift and Williams on the field at the same time but I, I don't see why any coach is going to, you know, use Williams when you've got a better athlete, a better player and a more explosive player stood on the sidelines. I just can't get my head around it personally. Yeah, I'm with you totally. So you, you hinted at your, your RB1 there. So the third back off the board in the NFL draft last year um, was perhaps, let's be honest, the the, the most efficient the most successful the greatest college running back of all time i'm sure there's gonna be a few people that are upset at that phrase um jonathan taylor um he had a slow start to the year shall we say um i think as soon as that Mullen mac injury happened week one people were already appointing him as you know the the lord and savior and expecting him to be a dynasty rb1 immediately and, and it didn't really happen um we saw you know Naeem Hines get a lot of pass usage we saw a, a couple of Jordan Wilkins weeks in there um and then obviously that you know that stretch to finish the season against you know I'm sure Merce listening just just to you know keep keep him on the good side it was a very poor schedule you know yes he beat up on some some poor offenses where are you on Jonathan Taylor do you think he's going to be you know, the true stud. Do you think he's going to be an RB1 again this year? He's, he's currently going in, in ADP as the running back two behind Christian McCaffrey. Are, are you comfortable paying that price? Do you think he's going to be the true stud? I, I'm not comfortable whatsoever paying RB2 price in, in regular startups. Um, I did have him as my RB1 in the rookie class. Um, I still have him as RB1 in that rookie class, but I don't think he's as valuable as trades seem to suggest at the moment. I would still take Barkley, and I'd consider Cook over him as well, and Kamara, obviously, as well in that group. Um, Even though they are a little bit older, um, they've all got 
decent contracts that the only really injury prone quote unquote I don't like using the phrase um, <clears throat> is Dalvin Cook and I suppose you could argue Barkley now but um, those injuries aren't really related so I'm not the injury expert I'm but yeah, those are the only people that I'd take over Taylor at the moment, but I never get him as the RB5 in any startups. Um, the two spots where I did have Taylor, I've decided to sell. Um, so they, they, they were, yeah, that, if, if I have Taylor at the moment, that, that is exactly what I'm doing. I don't see him being the RB2. Yeah. this season at all I think I think we're we're singing from the same hymn sheet here Liam because I love Jonathan Taylor I think he is fantastic I think his blend of size and speed in that offense behind that offensive line is incredible and I think he is a fantastic running back but the price I just can't justify you know I've got I've got like you I've got zero shares of Jonathan Taylor in all of my leagues because in a startup I'm not paying RB2 price. I can't spend a first round pick in a super flex or a top two pick in, in a one QB league on Jonathan Taylor. And I did have one share. I sold him for DJ Moore and two firsts this year. Um, and, and I'm very pleased with that haul. Um, but I, I can't justify that price. So I, I love it. But to me, the hype has gone crazy. I, I can't see how a guy who had five or six good games is being taken as the RB2 in startups. I think you're that phrase again, you're drafting him at a ceiling. And I think that when you're doing that, you're, you're destined to fail. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing with Taylor at the moment is, although Marlon Mack did have an injury and um, it was a severe one, I believe it was an ACL. So he may not be the best when he first when he comes back this season. But he is back in Indianapolis, and Naeem Hines isn't going anywhere. So it's not like he's got an open backfield and there's no competition. We we saw that he had competition last year with Hines, and um, and Marlon Mack got the first bunch of carries before he did um, snap that ACL, I believe it was. So. It's not like he hasn't got competition, and at the moment he's being drafted as such. So, yeah, and I think that people will counter that, Liam, by saying, Oh, but Jonathan Taylor got solid receiving game usage despite Naeem Hines. But that was with Philip Rivers at quarterback, who has targeted running backs at a higher percentage than any quarterback ever in NFL history. That's now Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Yes, it's the same offense, but he's not going to target running backs check down as much as Philip Rivers. So that target share to running backs is going to reduce, which means that again, we're talking about a limited ceiling because we're already we've already mentioned Clyde Edwards Slayer, DeAndre Swift. I wouldn't be shocked if both of those saw more targets this year than than Jonathan Taylor, because I think there is going to be a shift in the offense that's we're going to see a, a reduction in that target share to running backs. Yeah, and I know it sounds like we're beating on Jonathan Taylor as a prospect at the moment. We, as Rich said, we're, we're both extremely high on him, but I just don't think we're as high as consensus. Yeah, he's, um, he's my moment, he's my so. RB three. He's my RB three overall. I I love him. I just I know it sounds ridiculous. Me said he's my RB three and he's going as the RB two, and I'm slating it. But to me, that step is huge. I can't I can't see yeah. how you can draft him as the, the RB two overall. Yeah, I'm with you. 
So moving on, we're looking at Cam Akers next. He went in the second round for the LA Rams. Um, last year, he ended the season as the RB50, but he ended the season very strongly and saw his value exponentially rise it was ridiculous how much it rise uh, risen in my in my opinion anyway um and i think he's similar to jonathan taylor who we just talked about where if i have any shares which i don't i'm probably selling um just because i don't like the or i like the value more than the player at this point how are you feeling rich how are you feeling on acres i think I, I, I'll be honest, I feel like I'm out on acres, but I, I just don't like guys. It sounds ridiculous. I don't like guys that come on super late in the season and acres, we're literally talking, I think it was two or three weeks in the regular season and the playoffs where he was incredible. I just don't like guys that do that having not had any usage earlier in the season because I think that if you come in late, you are so much fresher than the defences you're going up against. And I think that, yes, Akers was incredible down the stretch, but I'm a little bit concerned that that was because he had fresh legs and and the rest of the teams he's going up against. I I think back to, as a Jets fan, someone like Sean Green, who came in as a rookie, I want to say week 16, into the playoffs in 2009 or 2010, and was absolutely incredible. And that was purely because he hadn't played for the first 15 weeks of the season. He had complete fresh legs and the Jets just rode him against, you know, beating up defences. And, and I'm not saying that Cam Akers is Sean Green. I think that Cam Akers is a very good NFL running back. But I just think that, again, you know, we're, we're back talking prices again. He's, he's going as the RB7 in startups. That's one spot ahead of Nick Chubb. I'm giving Nick Chubb all day. He's going ahead of, you know... Aaron Jones, I, I just can't see, for me, Cam Akers outproducing those kind of guys. I, I'd, I'd take Swift, Dobbins, Chubb, all of them over Cam Akers. Are you as as anti-Akers as I am? Yeah, I, I loved him going into the pre-draft, um, pre-draft uh, process. So I had him as the RB4 in the class behind... Um, Swift, um, Swift, Dobbins, and Taylor, and I really liked the 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 amount of production he managed to get behind a poor offensive line, and I found that out earlier on in the process. And then Twitter started talking about it, and then his price started to rise. And then the more it rose, the more I didn't like him because of the price that I was having to pay to to get him. And I think that's still the case now because of the the good playoff run and the playoff darling that he was, that he has just risen so much in price that I don't want to take him or I don't want to trade for him. So I think next season, I do think that he's going to have a decent season, but I think that Darrell Henderson is still going to be involved in that offense. The Rams didn't trade up in the third round it wasn't last year, the year before, I believe it was, um, to go and get Henderson. And if Malcolm Brown is seeing touches over acres until there is an injury and a couple of things shifted in the offense, I don't know how much 
production and how much volume Akers is actually going to get this year compared to where he's being projected and where or the the amount that people are hoping that he does. Yeah, I think I'm probably just a little bit more cautious buying into small sample sizes. And I think that Cam Akers, whilst he was fantastic down the stretch, it was, you know, we talked about Jonathan Taylor having a, you know, a, a great stretch against some weak defences. Well, Cam Akers' sample size was even smaller. And I just think that if I'm having to spend, you know, we said RB7 prices, so that's second round of a super flex, then I I need to see some greater level of production. If that means I miss out on potentially, you know, a, a stud running back, so, so be it. I'm, I'm happy to do that. But I just think that, again, call, call the Jets a little bit um, when it comes to the Cam Akers hype. So the, the next guy, you, you've just mentioned him there. Um, so it's J.K. Dobbins. So he was obviously the fifth running back off the board, went to Baltimore, um, pretty crowded backfield that first year, had some solid production. So he was the, the running back 31 overall last year. Um, obviously, we saw again in the playoffs, Mark Ingram was was a, a kind of a healthy scratch down the, down the stretch. J.K. Dobbins started to get more of that kind of workhorse role. Um, and I think people were penciling him in for uh, you know a, a sixty to seventy percent opportunity share this year, and and then suddenly in the last few days we've seen Gus Edward gets resigned to a, a pretty decent deal. You know it was a two year, ten million deal, which five million a year it doesn't sound much, but for essentially what is a one B running back that is decent money. Um, so I do wonder if if the Dobbins price might might drop a little bit. But what what do you think of J.K. Dobbins? I feel like we're just repeating the same things for the past couple of running backs. I don't like the price that he's at. I like the player. I just don't like the price at the moment. I've been trying to sell in the one spot that I've got. Uh, got him and I'm trying to buy um, CMC to go and compete in that spot. But that's just, uh, that, that, that's just a situation where I've got an older team and I'm trying to go and compete. I still don't like the the range that he's being drafted in um and i think i think the common thing that we're getting at with all of these running backs so far apart from jonathan taylor is they all finished as the rb2 or, or an rb2 or worse last season so we're all acting as if the the rb1s for the next five years but in reality only one of these running backs so far have hit the rb1 threshold that we're looking for so I think we just need to slow down. I know that everyone wants to hit on the next young running back, but at the moment, the prices are so high that we are really paying up a, for a risk that we don't even know whether it's going to hit yet. Yeah. I I love J.K. Dobbins' the talent. I love that offense. I love the potential of, you know, what he could be. I just think that, I'm I'm nervous and, and it's the same as goes for all of these guys and, and it means I I could well miss out. But in fact I've just had a quick look. I'm I'm high I'm actually higher than consensus on J.K. Dobbins by the looks of it. So he's my RB eight and he's RB nine in terms of ADP. So yeah, I, I re- that shows you how much I like the player. He's he's my RB eight overall. I just think that again I, I wanna see it a little bit more. But I do think that the potential of J.K. Dobbins, to me, I think he's his ceiling is higher than pretty much any other running back being drafted. I think he has the potential to be an absolute stud. Um, 
But as you said, he he's being told he, we're being projected that he's going to be a 60, 70% opportunity share guy. And with Gus Edwards still floating around with Lamar Jackson, getting an awful lot of those passes, you know, those runs and, and an offense that we're probably expecting is going to see potentially an uptick in terms of passing attempts. Could it limit his, his kind of potential ceiling? I, th- I think the other thing we need to um, we need to cover is Lamar Jackson is the running back one in that offense, and I know that's going to annoy a couple of people, but <laughs> he's Lamar Jackson is going to snipe not just one, one or two touchdowns. He's going to get a couple on the ground that means that Dobbins isn't going to get those, and then he's also going to contend with Gus Edwards, who was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was pretty good on the um, goal line as well. So. Um, I think with Dobbins that there's a lot to go around in that offense, but I also think that with the passing or with the, the with the new weapons in the passing game they've got, they might look to pass a little bit more. I'm not saying they're going to become the new Steelers offense and they're going to throw 650 times a year. Um, but I do think that they are going to throw the ball a lot more, which is going to decrease the rushing attempts as well. And then it is a three-headed backfield there with Lamar also in the fold for those touchdowns, which is where you're going to see those points come from, essentially. Yeah. Do you think that we could see if there's going to be an increase in pass attempts? You know, we talked about it a couple of times with running quarterbacks tend to target running backs less in the passing game because there's not those check downs. They tend to just take off. Do you think there's that, that potential ceiling in the passing game for Dobbins, who is a great passing back? He's just in the wrong offence or do you think that he that is where he will always fall down when compared to a, a DeAndre Swift or something like that? I do think his ceiling's capped with being in the same offence as Lamar and um, not just from the rushing side but from what you've just said I don't think that he's going to see as many looks from a check down point of view um, but as I said just I, I think Gus Edwards is going to get similar amount of looks in the passing game as well so um it i suppose really it depends on how much dobbins can run um more developed routes so more like wheel routes and um angle routes maybe um i'm not sure how much the ravens offense actually uses those routes but something that it means that lamar has him directly in front of him or within the numbers more than um, being to the side and Lamar having to think about actually I might need to check this down rather than running the ball so I don't think that's his first uh, first thought when he comes to I need to get the ball gone now yeah I, th- I think it's an interesting kind of thought exercise if you look at DeAndre Swift Cam Akers J.K. Dobbins and and how you personally rank them I think probably says a lot about how you value the running back position, what you value. And let's be honest, if you can get that right, I think you're probably going to be in a really good position. Cause I do think of those three, we're probably going to see one of those disappear and, and not be a top 20 back in terms of value at the end of this year. I, I don't know which one it's going to be. You know, I personally, as I said, I'd, I'd take Swift out of the three of them. I think that, he's shown it more and I think his ceiling's there and I think that the passing game usage is there and, and the opportunity's going to be there. But I think it's very interesting to see they're going pretty much back-to-back in ADP. 
I think most people will have them in a, you know, in a tier or within a tier of each other. And I think that if you sit down, you know, you don't have to do rankings, but if you sit down and work out which of those three you'd prefer, I think it probably says a lot about you as a, a fantasy or, or a dynasty kind of owner or player. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. It, it, it will be a, a great exercise to see how people evaluate running backs and which route is probably best, whether it's just for these three or whether it's for future. Um, so moving on, we're going to go to Green Bay, my my love. Um, so we're going to go to the quadzilla or the quadfather, depending on which thigh you're talking about, and that's AJ Dillon. Um, <laughs> he ended... He ended the season as the RV83 in fantasy. Um, nothing nothing eye-popping um, apart from yeah. those quads, as as you'll see all over his Twitter or his uh, Instagram. So. He had one, one incredible week was pretty much his whole season, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. The uh, Titans week, I believe it was, where yeah. he showed Derrick Henry how to Derrick Henry in that week. Yeah. Um, but I think that one week um, he showed what he can do but I also do think that some of that comes down to the Green Bay weather it was snowing it was um, extremely low temperatures I believe it was either uh, I think it was just above um, zero degrees centigrade so I'm not sure um, how much usage Dylan is going to get in a game like that again I do think that he got more um, looks specifically in that game because of the type of running back he is. I mean, he's he's essentially a linebacker with a running back feet. That, that that's he's two hundred nearly two hundred fifty pounds. He he's huge, and I think part of that game came down to the Titans defenders not wanting to tackle him with with a full hard hit and maybe going for those leg tackles that may not work as well. Um, so moving more on to the fantasy side of it, as I said, he finishes the RB83. And that was behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who were the one-two punch over in Green Bay. Um, they basically split carries. Um, I think it was around a 60-40 split towards Aaron Jones. Um, and Aaron Jones was extremely efficient yet again. Um, with... Dylan, I think that he's going to step up into that Jamal Williams role, but maybe not as much as a pass catcher as Jamal Williams was. Um, he's going to be more of that goal line back, maybe a, a thunderer just to try and pick up a few downs on the inside of the tackles. How do you feel about him in fantasy this year, Rich? Because for, for me, I'm not overly keen on him without an injury. I think it's Look, this this is purely price dependent, but I I absolutely love Adrian Dillon. I think that the range that he's currently going in terms of ADP, so he's going as the RB thirty one. So to give you a, a kind of an idea of who's going ahead of him, so Chase Edmonds is going as RB twenty eight, Mike Davis is going as RB twenty nine, and Leonard Fournette is going as RB thirty. So for me, AJ Dillon has a higher floor. I think he's going to come in and be, as you said, the one B in that backfield. I think he's going to get probably some short yardage and goal line work. I think he's going to get, you know, probably around a 30 to 40% opportunity share. And I think that that's enough to, to carve out potentially RB2 numbers. And he's one injury away from being a, a top 10 back. 
you know, if, if Aaron Jones goes down for the season, that backfield runs runs through AJ Dillon and, and he could be, you know, an absolute monster. And if I can get him for RB31 prices, then I really like it. I think it shows that this is this whole conversation probably highlights how I like to play fantasy and, and dynasty is I will build around if I'm competing, the one stud, you know, yes, if I can get two studs, but one stud running back that has been there, seen it, done it. And then I'm looking to take as many flyers as I can at sort of RB30 plus. And I think for AJ Dillon, the price he's going, you know, I picked him up in a couple of places for a mid to late seconds. I think that's absolute theft at those prices. I think the ceiling is there. I think he could be an absolute stud. And I think that he will be, more productive this year than I think most people are expecting. I think people are writing him off as he's going to have another year in 2021 like he did last year where he's just not really used unless there's an injury. But I think that that backfield, that offence is going to be a 1A, 1B situation. I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't punching in, you know, eight to ten touchdowns, stealing that goal line usage and also getting five to 600 yards. And that would be as... The, the one day, as I said, he could be one injury away from being a complete fantasy winner. Yeah, in the, in that backfield, you've not got much else. You've got Kylin Hill and then the project of Dexter Williams that the Green Bay have already shown. I still believe. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the, for, Green Bay have already shown that they're not a fan of Dexter Williams. Um, so I, I'm not sure on who else is going to pick up that running back volume if... Aaron Jones goes down and with how volatile the running back position is with injuries, if you pick him up, as Rich said, for mid to late second, if he gets that starting role for a month, maybe he's going to see a spike in value to at least a first, like maybe it will be contender. So it would be a late first, but that's still profit that you didn't have previously. And when, when I talk about running backs and I know Rich as just mentioned, that's his strategy. You you go for these running backs hoping that the one not hoping that's a poor word, but expecting an injury somewhere to happen. It's not going to happen in every backfield, but in the backfields it does happen. If there's enough volume there, that that's all a running back needs to show that he's worth a little bit of production for a contender to slide in as a flex. And one thing I didn't notice about AJ Dillon um, before, or at least I I probably did and have forgotten about it in the past year, he ran a four five three as a two hundred and fifty pound back. That is insanely fast. Yeah, that 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 just blew my mind when I saw that. Um, but yeah, I I think that if he gets the volume, he's going to be good. But it just really depends on whether he's going to get that volume, and no one's going to know him until. You have that announcement of Aaron Jones is injured and you, you see after the game how long it's for. And also, people people seem to think that because Aaron Jones has signed a four-year contract, that, that means AJ Dillon's never going to get the, the workhorse role. It's it's a two-year contract for Aaron Jones. We can, we can talk about it as much yes. as you like. It is a two-year contract and there is no way that the Packers are going to keep him playing on that contract in year three because they're not paying him... I don't know. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I think it's like fourteen to sixteen million in year three or four. They're not paying. Yeah, that. I, and people also remember. People also forget. Sorry, Derek Henry was you know a highly drafted running back. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Came to the Titans and he sat pretty much for a year or two. 
Now, I'm not saying AJ Dillon is going to be Derek Henry, but they're similar types of player. I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see AJ Dillon in that potentially his third year, once we're talking about Aaron Jones being in the final year of his contract. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw AJ Dillon start to eat into that that workload to take over. And and in 2023, you could have, you know, AJ Dillon as the next Derek Henry. And, a, a, and yeah, for, I, for a mid to late second, wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I, I'm buying every day of the week if I can get him for a, a late second. Um, I was I was going to jump in as soon as you said that he had a four year deal because I know full well Green Bay are not going to keep him after the uh, after the four year or after this the second year in 2022. So yeah, the the numbers look roughly around five mil uh, next year or 2021, nine nine mil in 2022, and most of that is from roster bonuses and and other other um, methods of payment where the dead cap is going to be extremely high. Um, and then in years three and four of that deal, he goes down or he goes up to 19 mil and 15 mil, but the dead cap is 6.5 and then three. So essentially if you cut him after the, the 2022 season, you, you save 12 million. Yeah. On, on the cap. I, I don't see no way, why he's no not way. going to play in 2023 in Green Bay. It could it could be that they restructured the deal and he stays in Green Bay. But I'm saying now there is no way that Aaron Jones plays in 2023 for Green Bay under that contract. You know, I, no, I'm quite I'm happy with you. I'm quite happy putting everything on the line and, and saying that. So um so the next guy we're gonna talk about it's um you know the the late riser of the the rookie draft process. He he was going in late second, some places in the third round, and he completely blew up. And that is Antonio Gibson. Um, I think he had a you know a, a pretty interesting year. He obviously won that backfield. He was incredibly efficient in the red zone. Had a, a really good kind of touchdown rate season. Um, I am a little bit worried that that is going to regress. I think he's you know, outperformed what we'd expect as kind of the average in terms of touchdowns. And I think that we'll see that decline. I am a little bit optimistic that he is going to see an increase in terms of pass usage. You know, this is a guy that was a wide receiver in college. I know we can sit and say that. Everybody says that every time they talk about him. Um, but I do think that he, he wasn't really used that way last year. And I think that we could potentially see him used in some more expansive and and interesting ways and I do think that JD McKissick is probably going to kind of drift off after that you know interesting outlier season last year he's probably not going to come back and repeat it this year so are you excited about Antonio Gibson are you using this opportunity to kind of sell now that his value is starting to creep up or where where are you on Gibson? I think he's at a a great spot but I just wanted to come back to that wide receiver point did you only know uh, did you know that he only ran 30 was it 30 odd carries in college it's not <laughs> like we didn't hear that about that in the pre-draft, uh, pre-draft process yeah I heard that or even or post-draft times, certainly um so with that out of the way yeah I I think that his value is right where it should be at the moment um I I, I personally like him as a uh, as a player and his style of running just from a film point of view um 
I, as you said, I don't think that McKissick is going to have as much opportunity in that offense um, as he did last year. I do think that Gibson is going to take over that role a lot more. Um, I, the only thing that concerns me is last year he might have been um, lent on a little bit more because of the unstable quarterback room. I mean, did, did they go through four quarterbacks last year? Are you, are you trying uh, to, to engage me in another Ryan Fitzpatrick rant? Or? <laughs> I'm trying not to. That's why I haven't mentioned his name. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, they went through four, four quarterbacks last year through injuries or benches, etc. So I'm, I'm not overly keen on the fact that he's going to have a stable quarterback room and that might see his production go down a little bit because they trust the quarterback more than more than what they did um in in last year um and with risk of setting rich off um i i do think that fitzpatrick with i do think that fitzpatrick is going to throw the ball and not care as much as the previous quarterbacks did um about in or about jump balls so that might take away some of the passing work that gibson and the other backs see because uh, he might be pushing the ball further down the field a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. I think Alex Alex Smith Boyd's, you know, JD McKissick's numbers. That some of those target shares when he was Alex Smith was in the in the the quarterback chair was absolutely obscene, and that's because we all know what Alex Smith is at this point in his career. I do think we're going to see a change in the offense. I do think, as you said, you know, the, the average depth target is probably going to increase. We're going to see a lot more of those fifty fifty balls from Fitzpatrick. For me, you know, I've got. To, to harper back to that point, I've got Akers, I've got Dobbins and I've got Gibson all in the same tier for me. Yeah. And the price is, is very different. You know, Akers is going as the RB7, Dobbins is going as the RB9 and Antonio Gibson's currently going as the RB13. So I'm, I'm pretty much saying that to me, they're all in that same tier. I think they're all pretty much much of a muchness. It's just about what you prefer, but you can get one at a significantly reduced price compared to the other two. Yeah, he he um, he's slightly cheaper in trade value. Um, I'd say against the other three that we've mentioned in that tier, and I personally have him above Acres and um, Dobbins. So I would buy if I could, but um, I think. One of my league mates would kill me if I didn't mention it. Um, there, there is a league mate called Jason in, in about four or five of my leagues where every time he could draft Gibson, he did. And he was majorly right. He he, he called it from day one. He absolutely loved the guy um, while everyone was being scared off by those 30 carries in, in college. So I, I think that if I had the opportunity to go and buy him, I would, but I don't because I've got someone that won't let him go for more than... <laughs> two or three first plus so yeah i think look, it's, it's difficult going out and buying these second year guys because i think they're all overpriced to be honest i think with the exception maybe of Clyde over Solaire and aj dylan who you know we've discussed their circumstances i think all of these running backs are being overpriced from their production because of the age and that that's to me just a difficult price to pay um the the final guy is Perhaps the most interesting, Liam, in, in terms of James Robinson, he had a pretty incredible 
year last year. You know, he finished as the RB4. Yet nobody nobody knew who he was, certainly until, you know, the preseason. Nobody knew who the running back was going to be before Leonard Fournette, well, after Leonard Fournette was cut and, and he kind of came out of nowhere and was a, a fancy stud and, and certainly won people titles. They've brought in a new regime in terms of Meyer and, and we've now seen James Robinson potentially as the 1B to Travis Etienne, if, if at best, maybe even less. Um, what do you think of James Robinson? Was it a flash in the pan, one hit wonder, or do you think he holds some value moving forward? I, I do think it was a flash in the pan season. I, I, For his sake and the, the type of story that he would have brought to the NFL, should he hit would be insane. It would be another Austin Eckler, essentially. Um, I know they're separate players, but they're both undrafted rookies coming in and they're now they're top or would have been top backs in the uh, in the in the league. So I think draft capital does speak uh, in the RB world, unfortunately, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, and taking Etienne in the first round when you have so many other holes on that roster, I think that speaks a lot to what they're going to do in that backfield. I'm not saying James Robinson is going to completely fade away and he'll never be seen again, but I do think that some, most of his production will have come from the mass volume that he got there. Um, I mean, yeah. it was Gardening Minshew or... Uh, I think Glennon played a couple of games and then yeah. they put Lu- Luton Jake, Jake in as Luton, well. So. yeah. I think that um, he was his production last year was it, you know I, I I hate on these RB two plodders that I call them, but where he was an RB one plodder in that his production was purely volume based. I think that he's he's not fantastic in terms of talent. He, he's not a great prospect profile, which is why he was undrafted, and I don't think he's a great NFL back. But there was nobody else in that offense. And that's the reason he got the the production he did. I think he's competent. I think he's now, you know, going to make a nice little career for himself. He'll probably have a six or seven year career. He'll probably bounce around a couple of teams. But there's a reason why Jacksonville went out and spent a first round pick on a running back because James Robinson isn't explosive and Travis Etienne is. And I think that look, for the price James Robinson's going, he's, he's around that sort of RB30 price again. I think he's going as RB27 in latest startup. Um, ADP I'm personally not paying that because I think that you can get him cheaper I think that yeah he's probably going to be one of these that that will put up you know decent stats at the end of the year as a an RB 20 to 30 and, and you probably think oh he had a decent year but actually you're never going to feel great starting him and, unless there is an injury so I would probably sell for whatever pennies I can get right now Yeah, so I'm the same uh, as you. He he was not a, a volume-based running back last year. He was sixth um, in attempts, rushing attempts. Um, so I, I just struggle to see the value that he's got at the moment in that offense now that they've taken Etienne in the first round. Um, and I'm not going to harp on about Etienne because we've had months and months of talk about it. So you could probably listen back in any of the other um, pods or um, have a look on Twitter. There'll be plenty of um, Twitter receipts on there to tell you what Etienne is like. But 
I, I do think that Etienne is going to be the running back one in that offense, but I don't want to draft either of them because of the price that they're both going at compared to where I think they're going to end up at the end of the season. Yeah. So, so Liam, put your, your money where your mouth is. Of these elite eight running backs from last year, if you had to have one player at their current cost on every one of their rosters, who would that player be? Clyde, every day. Yeah. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, the, the key phrase that you said there was at cost. Um, if you didn't say that, I was going to say Jonathan Taylor straight up. <laughs> I think that's what everyone would have said. Um, but yeah, at cost at the moment, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and obviously we can't predict injuries and likelihood is one of these backs are going to get injured. So we're not going to be able to see them all go through a full season and see um, which one is quote unquote better based on one season. But I do think that Clyde's stock is going to rise over the next year. Um, whereas I can only see a couple of the other guys falling down or staying where they are. I think my other guy probably would have been Gibson but his his price is much higher than Clyde's at the moment, and I think they'll end up pretty much even, if not Clyde a little bit behind Gibson this year. Yeah. Okay. And then there's we've got a, a lorry load of kind of others that that perhaps warranted mentioning. Are there any other running backs, whether they were drafted or undrafted, that came out last year that you think are are interesting, worth monitoring, that that you'd kind of be interested at at their price? Um, I think the the main one for me that I've spoken about, I can't, I don't think it was last week's pod. I think it was the week before. So if uh, if you haven't listened to that one, please go back and listen. Um, but I talk, talked about Darrington Evans um, last well, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's kind of like uh, AJ Dillon at the moment. If Henry goes down, there is no one else really in that backfield to pick up the volume. And um, and then that's where you can sell him on to a contender, or if you're a contender, use him for the production. Um, I also think he's going to see quite a bit of passing down work, or at least I'm hoping that, because um, I do think he's a better pass catching back than Henry. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I think at cost at the moment, you're probably spending a third at max on him. Um, I'd be surprised if anyone was asking for a second for him um, or if anyone was paying a second for him. But I, I do think that he's just one injury away from from that volume. Yeah. I think if I if I can mention one, um, and again, I think he's probably going under the radar, and that's Salvon Ahmed, who was... An undrafted free agent. Obviously, he went to the 49ers, then ended up in Miami. Now, we've seen Miami not address the running back position this offseason. I think a lot of people were, you know, a pencil in, whether it be Najee Harris, sorry, Lee, um, or, or some others into that backfield. And I think that they didn't. And everybody's just turned around and gone, right, okay, well, Mars Gaskin's the, you know, the RB1. He's going to be the stud. He's going to be, you know, decent for a fantasy perspective. And nobody has sort of mentioned the fact that Salvan Ahmed in, in the few weeks that he was the, the RB1 and, and he absolutely produced. Um, you know, he was RB31 in terms of points per game and, and that includes several games where he didn't really see the field. Um, I do wonder if 
yes, it's at cost. He's probably, you know, available on some waiver wires. He's probably cost you a fourth or fifth round pick. I just think that nobody knows what who is the the kind of the main guy in that Miami backfield. Everybody thinks it's Miles Gaskin, but this time last year, nobody nobody was going out and buying Miles Gaskin. So I think if if you can identify that congested backfield, if you can go and buy as many options in that backfield as possible, and, and you know pretty much every other option outside of Miles Gaskin is dirt cheap. You know, you mentioned Malcolm Brown earlier; he's obviously there. There's you know DeAndre Washington, I think, still floating around. I for me. The cost, I'm, I'm intrigued by Salvan Ahmed. If I go and pick him up off my waiver or even spend a you know a fourth or fifth round pick and, and he turns to nothing, I'm, I'm not that concerned. But I do think that he's an interesting player to monitor. Yeah, I, I think with um, Ahmed or Ahmed, he, he's, he's got definitely good for the cost, but I don't think you'll get him for a fourth. I'm not saying that you should pay a third. I just think that in a trade... A uh, player for a fourth really isn't going to move the needle for anyone, so they're probably just going to decline it and get or, or just take that shot on him um, producing. But I think with the the way to do it is if you're already going for a trade with the so um, the Salvador Ahmed arm um, owner, go for a trade and then just include him as a like a little throw in. It I don't think it's going to cost you anything. And I don't think the deal's going to break down over him being included. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the best method to go and get him anyway. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, that's a great point. Cause I think realistically, whenever you're sending an offer of a fourth round or fifth round pick for a player, it's getting rejected nine times out of 10 because nobody really wants a fourth or fifth round pick. But yeah, if you can get him as a throw in, in a, in a larger trade, um, I, th- I think it's a really smart play because, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be a stud, but I just think at the cost it's going to, you know, cost to acquire him, he's worth a dart throw, whether it's on, you know, the, those deeper rosters, if you can still add him onto a taxi squad if it's not rookies only, I think it could be an interesting point. Well, that that concludes the, the podcast, Liam. So next week, I don't think we've discussed it, but we're going to continue our soft miss scrutiny series. Are we going to go wide receivers or are we going to go quarterbacks and tight ends? I, I think we go wide receivers next week. Uh, and then we can go from there. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to that because it's a very exciting crop of uh, wide receivers last year. So, um, so yeah, so thank you ever so much, guys, for everybody that's joined. We we started, I think, six Dynasty startups in the last week in the end. Um, a couple are still ticking along, um, a couple are slower than the others. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyed in- interacting with all of you that are in it. It's been fantastic um, seeing all of you getting involved. So very much grateful for you that have been involved. Um, for those of you who haven't yet entered the Five Yard Brush Scott Fishbowl competition, there is still time. You've got a couple of days to record yourself rushing five yards and, and get it sent in on Twitter. It is on the main Five Yard Rush accounts um, pinned tweet. So by all means, go and have a look at that. But Liam, before you go, remind us, where can we see you? Where can we uh, follow you on Twitter? Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at the FSA tweets. Um so go find me on there and then the five yard rush dynasty account and still needs a couple more follows so go follow that i believe it's at five yard dynasty rich 
It is, yeah. We're, we're creeping towards that 1,000 follower number. I think we're up about 600 now. So, yeah, if, if you're not following, please go and give it a follow. It would be nice to uh, to hit that 1,000 mark before we get to the season, certainly. But, uh, but thank you very much for joining us again, Liam. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we will see you again next week. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.